For this episode of Metaphors Be With You, we'll be talking about mass times acceleration. Where are my physics nerds at? Hi, I'm Rob Hired of Chipperish Media, and this is a podcast about symbolism and allegory in Star Wars. The movies, the TV shows, the books, and everything else. Each episode will take a topic and apply it across whatever Star Wars media seems most appropriate. All right, this is the big one, people. It's time to talk about the Force. We'll start with the idea of duality. You, of course, know that the Force is a light side and a dark side. But you may not have known that that's not the only duality contained in the Force. There's a duality of dualities, because there's also the living Force and the cosmic Force. The living Force is what we're talking about when we say that every living thing is connected, and it's the living force that you're tapping into when you move a rock or influence the weak-minded. The cosmic force is more abstract and aloof. It's where you get visions of the future or the past. So that's the other two sides of the force. But we're mostly going to focus on the light and dark today, because that's what the movies mostly deal with. First of all, let's talk about the nature of the two sides. It's a common perception that the force is concerned with good and evil, like the morality in something like Dungeons and Dragons. I don't think it is, though. The Force is connected with control versus passivity. The dark side is all about controlling things. It's why Darth Sidious becomes the Emperor instead of a President. It's why Kylo Ren can hold a blaster bolt in midair. And it's also why Emperor Palpatine considers his prophecies a lock to come true, telling Vader, I have foreseen it, as if it ends the discussion of whether Luke will come to Vader. On the light side of the equation, Yoda tells us, when Luke asks him if Han and Leia will die, that difficult to see. Always in motion is the future. Obi-Wan tells Luke that the Force partially controls your actions, yet also obeys your commands. Yoda says that you will know the good side from the bad when you are calm, at peace, passive. Luke makes his one-in-a-million shot on the Death Star by letting go. Note that these two sides correspond pretty strongly to the nature versus technology theme we talked about in episode 5. Allowing nature to grow and flourish on its own is the path of passivity, while tearing nature down and building something in your own image is the path of control. As I mentioned in that episode, it sure seems significant that Yoda lives on the one planet without technology, and Palpatine lives on the one planet without nature. Snoke goes one step further and apparently lives on a warship, which is not only an entirely artificial environment, but also an instrument of subjugation and conquest. Another great contrast is the idea of force lightning. Palpatine and other dark side types just shoot lightning out of their hands, directly altering the environment around themselves by making it glowy and burnt-looking. Yoda, on the other hand, catches Count Dooku's lightning to throw back at him in a very Aikido-seeming move, using his opponent's momentum against him. And in The Last Jedi, Ghost Yoda calls natural lightning out of a cloud, presumably because it's the most passive and natural way he could burn down the library. The library made out of a hollow tree because the Jedi understand their branding. So let's talk about the Jedi prophecy surrounding Anakin Skywalker. When I first saw Phantom Menace, and they talked about Anakin being the one to bring balance to the Force, I thought the Jedi were misunderstanding their prophecy, and that what it referred to is that by the time of the original trilogy, because of Anakin's actions, there would be basically two Jedi and two Sith, mathematical balance. But I don't think that anymore. What I think now is that balance refers to the Force swinging to the light, and specifically being allowed to flow naturally according to its want. I think the Jedi Order pushed the Force out of balance themselves in their hubris. They may have been helped along this path by Darth's Sidious, Plagueis, and whoever came before them, but I think the biggest culprit might be the Jedi's policy of taking children away from their parents to train them according to a rigid dogma. Obviously, in general, nature intends for children to be raised by their parents, 
and any governmental policy that separates children and parents is to be looked at with all suspicion. But Rob, I hear you say, in stark contrast to your understanding of how podcasts work, how do you know these children are being raised in a strict dogma? Maybe they're being lovingly cared for by their new surrogate family. Except we know that's not true, at least on an institutional level. Officially, the Jedi are forbidden from forming attachments, Anakin tells Padme in Attack of the Clones. We also get a taste of that rigid dogma in the same movie, when Obi-Wan visits Jedi librarian Jocasta Nu, who primly tells him that if an item does not appear in our records, it does not exist. This line, especially from a minor character we won't learn anything else about, seems to be the party line for the Jedi Order. If you don't believe the Jedi have a detrimentally rigid dogma, consider Obi-Wan's line just before his big fight with Anakin. Only a Sith deals in absolutes. The first time I saw that movie, I laughed out loud at the willful blindness inherent in that contradiction. And then I realized I was the only one laughing at this dramatic moment and got really self-conscious and stopped. But I maintain that this line is deliberately ironic and intended to show that the Jedi really are the source of their own troubles. In fairness, I should mention that Yoda seems to be a hell of a teacher for the Jedi children we see in Episode 2. He's warm and funny, and makes jokes at a level the kids can enjoy. But Yoda is a character we know and love, so he's always going to be the exception to the rule. And what we're seeing of the Jedi Order in general is not entirely complimentary. So if we assume that my reading is correct, and the Force is out of balance because of the Jedi, maybe with help from the Sith, does Anakin bring balance? Well, yeah. By destroying the Jedi Order and forcing Luke, and eventually Rey, to see its flaws and build from scratch, the balance is restored. But, in the way of so many prophecies, not in the way the people receiving it would have wanted or thought. As a nice postscript to this plot, the last scene of The Last Jedi shows us a young boy with Force powers, too old to be trained in the old ways of the Jedi, and so presumably learning what he can naturally on his own. In fact, we might even posit that Rey and the unnamed boy awaken to the Force because it's back in balance now, though that might be pushing it. I said earlier that the Force doesn't care about good and evil, which I will now clarify a bit. Obviously, the Force does care if you go around murdering people right and left. That's clearly the dark side. But I would argue that it's not because of anything like a stone tablet saying thou shalt not kill. Rather, it's the natural outgrowth of the two sides' philosophies. Murder is clearly not a passive act. It's an incursion on the flow of the Force around another being, in this case an irrevocable change in that flow, since a dead body doesn't create more Force. For a different example, let's talk about deception. Now obviously the Sith have no trouble with deception. Darth Sidious deceived the galaxy into making him Emperor. But it fascinates me that the second movie of each trilogy includes a dark side wielder telling a light sider an important truth about something. Vader tells Luke about his parentage, Dooku tells Obi-Wan that a Sith Lord is running the Republic, and Kylo Ren tells Rey about her... lack of parentage. It's also a classic three-beat here in the sense of establish, reinforce, subvert, because only Rey believes the truth when confronted with it. The Jedi, on the other hand, do a fair bit of lying. Obi-Wan lies to Luke about what happened to his father. Qui-Gon lies to Watto pretty freely, and even manipulates a die roll in a pretty high-stakes bet. Luke's lie of omission to Rey about how Ben Solo turned on him is a pretty central to The Last Jedi's plot as well. And when Mace Windu suggests that the Jedi tell the Senate that their powers are diminished, even Saint Yoda counsels against giving the full truth of the matter. Sure, they all have reasons for what they do, but they're also protagonists, so we give them the benefit of every doubt. My point is that they're not lawful good paladins, and the Sith are more textured than we always acknowledge. But we know that the Jedi are the good guys, because Obi-Wan tells us, I have the high ground, right? But, for a point in the good versus evil camp, I adore that Rogue One establishes that the Sith, in the form of the Empire, are taking kyber crystals from Jeddah to fuel the Death Star super laser. 
It's a perfect metaphor they take these holy objects, which the Jedi use in meditative rituals to focus their minds and create the symbol of their order, the lightsaber, and instead turn them into a mega-industrial-scale murder ball for the express purpose of controlling everyone through fear. It's the most on-brand imperial-slash-Sith thing imaginable. So let's also take a moment to talk about disturbances in the Force. You, of course, remember when Obi-Wan felt the destruction of Alderaan, a great disturbance in the Force, as if millions of voices cried out in terror and were suddenly silenced. Interestingly, the Emperor also talks about a great disturbance in the Force, when he talks to Vader via hologram in The Empire Strikes Back. But the disturbance he's talking about is just Luke Skywalker growing into his powers. I really enjoy the dichotomy here, that a lightsider like Ben feels the abrupt death of millions as a disturbance, and Palpatine feels the natural growth of someone else coming into Force awareness as a disturbance. It's almost as if they're each pulling from different aspects of the Force, or sides, if you will. There are also a couple of references to disturbances in the prequels, but they feel much less significant to me, as if this is just the understood nomenclature that Jedi are supposed to use. Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan mention a disturbance in the same way Spider-Man announces that his spider-sense is tingling, and Yoda and Mace Windu talk about their reduced powers as a function of a disturbance, but that seems to be a reference to the fact that the Force is out of balance, which seems like a separate thing to my way of thinking but I'm sure reasonable people can disagree. As a final note for this episode, I'd like to talk about midichlorians. For the record, I never cared that much about midichlorians, and I was surprised when there was so much hate directed toward the concept. They've always struck me as a fairly harmless storytelling conceit, in that Lucas needed a way for Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon to find out definitively that Anakin is the super-special chosen one. So he has a number that they can say is higher than Yoda's, and we're good. Later on, Anakin asks Qui-Gon what midichlorians are, and here, Lucas takes a moment to reinforce his theme about symbiotic circles in this movie, by saying that living beings are symbionts with the midichlorians. I get that people didn't like demystifying the Force by having it be explained by some microorganism in your blood, but here's the thing. Qui-Gon never says that. He is very clear that the midichlorians tell us the will of the Force, but the Force is still an unexplained cosmic phenomenon that is every bit as ineffable as it always was. So those are my initial thoughts on the Force. My notes go on further because it turns out this is a pretty rich topic in Star Wars, getting mentioned once or twice here and there. I will hopefully return to the subject in the future, but speaking of the future, this is the last episode of Season 1 of Metaphors Be With You. I don't know when or if I'll be returning, but if you like the show and or have topics you'd like me to, to address, let me know. I'm on Twitter at rhyrit, and also a regular on the Chipperish forums and the Chipperish patrons-only Discord room. Visit the Chipperish Patreon page to become a patron and join. As always, leaving a glowing review on Apple Podcasts is a great way to support this or any other podcast you love. Thanks for listening, and metaphors be with you. Yeah, I know, I said in the teaser that I wouldn't end every show that way, but it's just super fun. Have you tried it? Seriously. Seriously.